Welcome to Those Catholic Shrinks. I'm Lisa Sojourner, a Catholic therapist following the call of Jesus and my vocation in my profession. This is a podcast all about mind, body, and spirit. So settle into the couch and let's get started. Welcome to Those Catholic Shrinks. Today's podcast is all about the difference between empathy and sympathy. First, I want to introduce my special guest again, Jenny Sojourner. Again, she's still eight months old, still feisty. I'm hoping she's a little calmer than she has been in previous episodes. So you might hear her squeaking in the background. Thursdays are my late client days. I keep her home and she stays with me and we like hang out together and do fun things together. And one of the fun things that she does with me is recording podcasts. So I really love that. So I'm excited because I want to talk about something. It seems a little nitpicky, but I think it's such an interesting topic. Empathy versus sympathy. If you are somebody who likes Brene Brown, you will probably know this topic and love this topic as much as I do. (laughs) And I love precision of language because I think it's so clarifying and helpful. I do it a lot with my clients, but I want to talk about this idea of sympathy versus empathy. And if you've never thought about the fact that there's a difference, there is. It's a little subtle in definition, but pretty big difference in like when you see it in action in real life. So let's go to, you know, this is like typical giving a speech technique, right? I'm going to give definitions, but sympathy is understanding the emotions of others. That sounds good. And empathy, this is a little bit bigger, is experiencing the emotions of others by tapping into a similar experience and then communicating that you recognize their emotion. Really, if we kind of like, let's distill that down a little farther, right? Sympathy is understanding someone's emotions. Empathy is putting yourself in their shoes and feeling those emotions. Okay, so I'm going to give you a quick example, right? Because why does this even matter? So recently, kiddos had Valentine's Day parties at their school. And of course, they come home with like a million knickknacks, right? And these like Valentine's Day bags. A new thing at schools now is Valentine's Day mailboxes. So they come home with all these knickknacks. And my two-year-old, Joseph, he got a teddy bear with his name on it, which is like in two-year-old world. That's huge. (laughs) And Jimmy got a bunch of like little knickknacky things, you know, and he got this like little dinosaur eraser. And it's pretty clear who the winner here is, right? (laughs) Like, but you know, sweet Jimmy, he made the most of it. At one point, he even tried to have this like tiny little dinosaur eat the teddy bear. Like, oh, my dinosaur is better because he can eat the teddy bear. It's like, okay, buddy. You know, fast forward to later that evening and Joey wanted to sleep with his teddy bear, which is like perfectly reasonable. And Jimmy wanted something new to sleep with. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> like, all I got was a bunch of like pencils and like temporary tattoos. But then I had the bright idea. I'm like, oh, man, the dinosaur. And I'm like, oh, okay, buddy. Because you could see he was starting to get like a little ramped up. We got the dinosaur. And he's like, oh, yeah. Andy and I walk with him into the kitchen where the goodie bag was. And as Andy is pulling the dinosaur from the bag, I can see the look on Andy's face. And it is. It's not a good look. It's like, oh, something's wrong. (laughs) And then I see it. The dinosaur head has broken off. And, like, Andy and I exchange this, like, really quick look of panic. Like, this is not going to go well. And then Jimmy sees it. And he, sweet pea, erupts into tears, like real tears, like like my world is crashing down tears. And I will tell you, as a human being, my initial gut reaction was like, oh gosh, this is going to take a while. <laughs> and it's eight o'clock, like I just wanted to, I want them to go to bed so I can have mom time. But at this point, I had to force 
my empathy to kick in. And I had to not go, oh my gosh, I understand it's just a dinosaur head. I had to put myself into Jimmy's shoes. So this is where I say like, oh no, buddy, we're so sad. So I, you know, I picked him up. We sat on the couch for 10 minutes and he cried, which it was like so sad. And this is where I like had to take a minute and like jump out of like adult mom brain, right? And I had to tell myself to empathize with him, right? So let's go back to that definition. Experiencing the emotions of others by tapping into a similar experience and then communicating that you recognize their emotion, right? So going back to this, it's like inconvenient because this is gonna take more time. That's when I started to tell him about how I used to have like little animal erasers like that when I was a kid. When something would happen to mine, like I would get really sad too. And that's, it was so sweet. That's when he asked me, he's like, well, mommy, did you erasers unicorns or chickens? And I'm like, oh gosh, so, so we recently got chickens. So he's very focused on that. Engaging him in this story and in this conversation, he started to calm down and he felt like I had heard him. And here's a big key why, partly because I gave him the space to be sad. And then I, I told him like, oh no, you're sad. And he knew that I saw him. And it was only after I had given him that space, only after I connected with him, that I was able to explain that because he's an eraser, we would have rubbed his head off anyways. And he like giggled a little bit. And then I asked him like if he wanted to rub the dinosaur's foot off tomorrow, erasing something. And then he laughed even more and we were laughing together. It was a nice logical explanation, but here's the thing is empathy paved the way to that logical explanation. I connected with and let myself remember. And this is huge. Like I really did in, in my mind, like traveled back in time to when I was a little girl and like had these little erasers like this and I connected with that and I let myself remember what it was like to have a toy that I was emotionally counting on and to have it break. Yeah, like when I rewind in my mind to that time as a little girl, like that was earth shattering for me. And like I fast forwarded my brain to that moment, (laughs) that moment of recognition on his face when we pulled it out of the goodie bag. And it's like, yep, that's how I felt. And then I communicated that to him and that caused a real moment of connection. And rather than it being this battle between he and I of me with my logic and him with his emotion, it became a point of connection. It does take longer, by the way. (laughs) You know, it's much easier to just be like, oh my gosh, it's just a toy. Sitting down with him, giving the moment to cry, connecting with that emotion takes more time. And this is where I kind of want to go into like the thought of empathy versus sympathy a little bit more, right? Dr. Brene Brown has done years and years of research on this. She is the expert on empathy and sympathy. And I love this quote of hers. It's that empathy is a choice and it's a vulnerable one. You know, it really was a vulnerable moment because I'll tell you, it was not easy. A, I just wanted to go to bed. <laughs> and no, A, I wanted, just wanted him to go to bed so I could have a moment to myself. I also, deeper under that, and this is a bigger pattern, right, is I wanted to be the mom that has all the answers. Like, I want to be able to say just the right thing to take away his pain and calm the storm immediately. In my mind, and this is false, right? This is not truth. I want to be able to just, I'm that, that magic mom who can just say, oh no, buddy, A, B, and C. And the tears cease and he's like, oh, I'm fine and skips off to bed. But that's not reality. And that is not what he needed. And this is what I think is so beautiful is God was inviting me in to a really sacred moment with him, which seems silly. It's a dinosaur from a Valentine Day goodie bag. But it was a moment that as a four-year-old, he felt, I want something special. I want to feel as though the world has something good to offer me. And it felt like that was shattering in that moment. 
And I was able to hold him in the moment when he realizes in a small way that the world's not perfect and not everything works out fair and equal for him. And as his mother could show him that there's still love to be had, there's still comfort to be had, and that I see his pain and how huge that is. And how much is that a reflection of the way that the Lord holds us in our pain? You know, that like some of the things that we go through in our life might seem small, but he doesn't care. He wants to hear our hurt. He wants to hold us. He wants us to share and connect with him. And he wants us to know that he sees us even in our saddest moments. So it is, it's a sacred moment, even though it's just a dinosaur from a goodie bag, right? It's empathy. All right. So what do we do with this? Because if you know me at all, you know, I'm really big on, I love big ideas. And I also love where the rubber meets the road. Let's go back to Brene Brown, right? She discusses four key steps to showing empathy. And I love it. Four steps. I'm a linear thinker. Give me the checkboxes. So these are the steps where you can see the practice of empathy being played out. So first step is perspective taking, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. In that moment, it was, Lisa, rewind your brain to when you were four or five years old and you had the little unicorn eraser and the horn fell off of it. That was earth shattering because it's not a unicorn anymore. It's a horse. And who cares about a horse? I want a unicorn. <laughs> right? Like, of course, his dinosaur's head fell off. Now he can't bite and eat the teddy bear. Okay, this is starting to make more sense. So one, perspective taking. Two, staying out of judgment and listening. I don't need to be putting judgment on this. It's just a dumb eraser, right? Or telling him he needs to listen to me. No, 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 no. I need to listen. So step two, staying out of judgment and listening. Number three is recognizing the emotion in the other person. Okay. He's really sad right now. And this isn't, because believe me, my four-year-old can manipulate me with tears. It was very clear when Andy and I both saw his face fell. And he, Andy and I talked about it later. And it was like, yeah, no, those, those were real tears. This was not manipulate mom and dad into another 15 minutes before I have to go to bed. This was his little world came crashing down. And I recognized that, like, he is deeply sad right now. And then communicating that you recognize that emotion, right? Oh my gosh, buddy, you are so sad. Which seems silly when you do that at first, because it's like, of course he's sad. Why do I have to say that? But you could see the second that I said, oh my gosh, buddy, you are so sad. He knew he was not getting a lecture from me. And like, that's when he like melted into me and just like collapsed. And we went and sat on the couch together because he knew she sees me. I'm not an inconvenience. My emotions are not an inconvenience. She really wants to connect with me. And this is subconscious because a four-year-old doesn't think that eloquently. Maybe they do. I don't know. But that told him, that was his signal. She named my emotion for me and she sees me. So those are the four steps. It's perspective taking, putting yourself in their shoes. Two is staying out of judgment and listening. Three is recognizing the emotion in the other person, which is sometimes hard to do. And four is communicating that you recognize that emotion, which might seem like not much of anything, but it's like the most crucial step. And I love this next quote that Brene Brown says is that empathy fuels connection. And it really did. It was this moment where like, all I wanted to do was like, go brew my tea and like, read my book reading Kristen Lavin's daughter right now. It's great. It's an excellent book. And it's huge. It's going to take me months to get through. And I just wanted to sit for like 30 minutes and chip away at it. And nope, 
that wasn't a moment for me. That was a moment the Lord was calling me to connect and empathy fueled that connection. Here's the next part of the quote from Brene Brown, right? So the second part of the quote, sympathy drives disconnection. So what does sympathy look like, right? So let's go back to that definition of sympathy is understanding the emotions of others, right? And so sympathy comes out in these emotion empathy traps, right? Where it looks like empathy, but it does not sound or smell like empathy, right? So the first trap is called the at least trap. And this is telling someone that something that's really challenging that's happening for them, and they're telling you about it, and you respond with, well, at least. All right, so an example of this. I feel really disconnected from God. Well, at least you get to go to mass right now. I can't even go to mass during COVID. So you at least have that connection. Things aren't going well at work. Well, at least you have a job. Lots of people are being laid off right now. Have you heard about the Disney layoffs? And I think the thing is, is, we often do this not to be rude, like we really don't. We're often doing this in an attempt to help because we understand, oh, they're having a hard time right now. Understand, not empathize. Like it is hard to lose your job. It is hard to not feel connected to God. But then what we do is rather than connecting with a moment of that in ourselves is then we just try to help them see the logic, right? We try to show them the bright side. And that's really what the at least trap is. It's trying to show them um, the bright side of what's happening. But in reality, what ends up happening is they walk away feeling like we've invalidated their pain and they haven't been heard and then what's even funny is, right, sympathy's understanding is they walk away feeling like you didn't understand them or what was going on. So let's look at this in the instance of Jimmy. If we rewind and see what I could have done, you know, he starts to cry and then I could immediately, it's so simple, like how often do I do this as a mom? So is he starts to cry, well, buddy, at least you have other toys. And I'm trying to get him to see that he should be happy. But again, he walks away feeling like I didn't see what happened. I didn't see how sad he was. I don't know what's important to him. So that's the at least trap. The next trap is the, this one's huge, the promises you can't keep trap. And this is telling someone that even though they're going through something hard, everything's going to be okay. This is, I know you and your boyfriend are having a hard time, but I'm sure you'll get through it. Or I didn't realize that you were sick. I'm sure you're going to get better soon. And when we do this, we are making promises we can't keep. And why do we do it, right? We do it for two reasons. In order to emotionally rescue the other person, like kind of it feels like you're throwing them a life raft. Like, don't worry, you're not drowning. Things will get better. So it's partly to emotionally rescue them. But it's also partly to emotionally rescue ourselves sometimes. Because hearing something like, my mom has cancer. It's like, I'm sure she'll get better because that's a scary moment, right? It's scary for them. I want to have the right words. I want to fix it. I want you to not have to feel this way. I don't want to have to feel this way because it's scary. So I'm sure she'll get better making promises we can't keep. What does this look like in the instance of Jimmy? Because that's big, right? What does it look like in small moments? So here, you know, Jimmy, we pull the dinosaur out of the bag. He sees it. He starts crying. It's like he sees the head has fallen off. How do I emotionally rescue him? Oh, no, no, no. It's okay, Jimmy. It's okay, Jimmy. I can fix it. Yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys know the type of eraser I'm talking about here, but like, hey, I couldn't even find the head. Like it was buried somewhere in the mess of like empty candy wrappers and lollipop sticks and like just the detrius of Valentine's Day, right? So, hey, I couldn't even find the head. And then even if I could, like gluing that sucker back on was not going to work. And the funny thing is, is like even a four-year-old knows that. Just even by trying to emotionally rescue him of like, I can glue it back on. Like we both know that's not going to work. And it's true of like other emotional rescues. 
as well is generally like both people know that we are giving promises that we can't keep. And so those are the two emotional, the, the sympathy traps to be careful that you don't fall into, right? So that first is the at least trap and that's where you're like painting silver linings for them. And then the second one is that the promises you can't keep trap and that's where you're trying to emotionally rescue them or yourself. So just to kind of give a quick review, right? Four steps to empathy take. Take their perspective by putting yourself in their shoes, staying out of judgment and listening, recognizing the emotion in the other person, and then communicating to them clearly that you recognize that emotion. And then beware of false promises and beware of at least. And remember, just like with Jimmy, like this is sacred ground to be with someone in their sadness, to just be with someone in their fear, to just be with someone in their pain. And again, it can make us uncomfortable. And that's why empathy makes us vulnerable because it makes us uncomfortable and because we have to tap into our own pain and our own previous experiences. But here's the thing is like when we allow ourselves to remember our own pain and then validate it in others, connection lies on the other side of that. Healing lies on the other side of that. The Lord is there. And we get to participate in the healing that Christ brings to our hearts. And he invites us into that ministry. And so moments where empathy can abound are moments to connect not only with your loved one, but to connect with that mission and with the Lord himself. So thank you so much, you guys, for listening. I apologize for the fussy baby. I'm about to go and be very empathic to her. (laughs) Make sure to subscribe through your favorite podcast app. I am going to have a whole bunch more episodes coming out for you. I'm really excited. I've got some fun things planned, some really exciting guest speakers, just really cool people with a lot of knowledge and fun things to talk about that I feel like will be really relevant to our lives. Don't forget to get in touch with me. If you have any questions, my email is lisasojourner at gmail.com. My website's lisasojourner.com. Super easy. And I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. (laughs) 